That chat is brought to you by Walters. Make Walters your pre-match and post-match spot this summer for D.C. United home games. Register at waltersdc.com slash events to get a free beer during pregame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. pitch. Swing a ground ball, base hit, past the drawn-in first baseman Smith. Trotting in to score is Muncie, and it's 4-1 L.A. Now the pitch. Swing a line drive, base hit right field. Hayward over toward the line, will pick it up. Thomas rounding third, he'll come in to score. The throw into second. This is now a one-run game. Los Angeles four, the Nationals three. Swing it sky to deep center. Thomas back to the warning track, feeling for the wall, and there it goes. Home run, J.D. Martinez, 6-3 Los Angeles. Thompson delivers, swing and a belt. Deep left center by Freeman. Way back, going, going, and gone. Goodbye. A patented Freddie Freeman home run to left center field. Three runs home in the bottom of the eighth. It's Los Angeles 9 and Washington 3. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, May 31st, 2023, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. So, you know, for all of the talk about the Nats being improved this season, and they are much improved this season, they do have the worst record in the National League. Uh, (laughs) That is true. The team which with the Nats are in the midst of a three-game series, the Los Angeles Dodgers, they have the best record in the National League. And uh, the differences between these two teams were on display late night on Tuesday night, a 9-3 Nats loss at the Dodgers in game two of a three-game series. And that's fell to a National League worst, 23-32. The Dodgers improved to a National League best, 34 and 22. The Nats on Tuesday night got out homered by the Dodgers 3 1. The Dodgers for this season, number two in the majors with 93 home runs. The Nats for this season, 29th out of 30 major league teams with a mere 39 home runs. Uh, that one of uh, several differences that were on display on Tuesday night. Mark, uh, this was a rough game for Nationals pitching. Well, let's just you know, make this clear in case anybody didn't already realize it out. The Dodgers are really good. Okay. And oh, by the way, Freddie Freeman is pretty good too. I think after 14 years of watching him just terrorize the Nationals, I can finally concede that Freddie Freeman is really good. When you're going to face a team like this, you have to be on point in every aspect of the game. The pitching staff was not up to the challenge in this one. And the lineup 
despite hitting the ball really hard for much of the night, just couldn't get enough going outside of the top of the seventh. Now, I will say there's that brief moment there in the top of the seventh as the Nats are rallying. They get it to 4-3. Dave Roberts comes out to the mound to make a pitching change. Crowd of 46,000 is booing the home team. The fans here booing. I don't know if they're booing the fact that Gonsolin was taken out at 70 pitches or they're booing Vessia because he has struggled so much. But they boo him after the home run. They boo him after the RBI hit. And I'm having some flashbacks to October of 2019 in my mind. Now, it was very fleeting, that moment. And it very quickly flipped back in favor of the Dodgers. And that's the difference between the Nationals of 2019 and the Nationals of 2023. But for just that little moment there, it felt like they might have had something going. And then you remembered, it's not as easy as that. This team still has to do a lot of things right to pull off a win against any opponent, let alone one as good as the Dodgers. Nats did hit a lot of balls hard in this game. Davey Martinez made mention of that during his postgame session with you guys. It's funny, a guy who lately actually has been hitting a lot of balls hard, but just has been making one out after another, K-Bert Ruiz. He actually got rewarded for hitting a ball hard on Tuesday night. He homered. Uh, he had that Nats lone home run, a two-run seventh for the Nats. Uh, K-Bert Ruiz in that inning, a first pitch leadoff homer to left field to cut the Nats deficit to 4-2. I have to say, though, something that really stood out to me in this game and is standing out right now is what is happening with this Nationals bullpen. The bullpen is falling apart here and the numbers for the season have really started to crater. You know, this maybe has snuck up on some people in terms of where we are with this bullpen because early in the season we talked about, hey, there's depth to this bullpen and the bullpen was doing all right. So you on Tuesday night had two Nats relievers combining to allow five runs, two earned in three innings. Andres Machado, two runs in two innings. Mason Thompson, bottom of the eighth, three runs, all of which were unearned, despite uh, Mason having some major problems in that inning. We can get to that. But here we are now. I mean, it's been one game after another lately with the bullpen struggling. And, you know, I say this recognizing in game one of the series, the bullpen was pretty good. And it's not like in every game we're seeing the bullpen struggle. But the Nats now for this season are down to 24th out of 30 major league teams in relief pitching ERA at 452. The bullpen really is becoming an issue here. And I know we've talked about it. I mean, this isn't like a revelation, but it is really starting to stand out. And it feels like lately, more often than not, we're talking about what was a bad game for the Nats bullpen. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, I think coming into the day, the rotation was something like 13th or 14th in the majors in ERA. Who saw that coming, those two flipping as dramatically as that, given what we saw from them last year. Now, I think we understood there was a decent chance of some regression for the bullpen, that it's so hard year to year to sustain that. The frustrating part here is that it feels like it's been multiple guys struggling at the same time, and everybody's had their moments here and there, but nobody's really sustained it for a nice long stretch, other than, I guess, Hunter Harvey, until he then had his couple of meltdowns in recent weeks, and that kind of ruined his first half. The thing about this one, to me, was this. Machado pitches a 1-2-3 sixth inning, bottom of the lineup, gets that done. The Nats come back, like I just said, in the top of the seventh. They score two runs. It's a 4-3 game now. As they are batting in that inning, Hunter Harvey is warming in the bullpen, and the insinuation is if they come back all the way to tie this game or take the lead, he's going to come in and face the top of the Dodgers lineup in the bottom of the seventh. They end up not taking the lead. They end up still down a run. And so Machado comes back to face those hitters. It's now his second inning of work. And now he's facing really the best part of that lineup. And it did not go well at all. And 
we talk about bullpen in terms of this individual game, and then we also talk about it in the broader picture. Think about what we experienced the last few days. Davey purposely not using all those guys on Sunday in Kansas City in a very winnable game because he knew they needed the rest, didn't want to push it too much. Okay, Monday night, they were never really in a position to use their top guys. Now it's Tuesday. You're in a winnable game. You're not ahead. You're not tied. But you have some momentum. The game is there for the taking. I kind of would have liked to see under these circumstances him just go for it with the A bullpen. Doesn't mean it would have worked out. Maybe it's still the end result would be the same. But I was kind of disappointed to see Machado back out there for a second straight inning. You could have done it. You wonder if the Nationals were not the worst team in the National League if you would have seen that. I mean, I guess you have to throw into the mix the possibility that Harvey is dealing with something right now, and we're just not aware of that because it is well, odd. Well, he was warming up, though. So, I mean, like they were ready to go to him if they were ahead or the game was tied. Yeah, they could have done it, and David didn't do it, and the results were not good here. Machado in that bottom of the seventh gave up a two-out, two-run homer by J.D. Martinez on a bomb to center field for a 6-3 Dodgers lead. And then Mason Thompson in the bottom of the eighth, like I said, three runs, all of which were unearned thanks to a throwing error by C.J. Abrams. So Abrams, for a second consecutive game, has a costly error. But, you know, this was another instance in which all of the runs are unearned despite the pitcher having all kinds of issues. This needs to be fixed with this official score, and this is ridiculous that Thompson gets no earned runs in this inning. He, in this inning, issued a leadoff hit by pitch, issued a run-scoring wild pitch, committed a fielding error, by the way, and gave up a homer, gave up a two-out solo homer by Freddie Freeman to left center for a 9-3 Dodgers lead. I tell you, of all of the things with this bullpen faltering lately, I think what has happened with Mason Thompson probably stands out the most. He was so good, he has become really bad. And, you know, save for an outing or two lately in which he's looked okay, it's been ugly. It's been tough to watch. Yeah, I think he arguably was their best reliever in April, and he arguably has been their worst reliever in May. And that's a huge disappointment. Not saying that you expected him to totally sustain what he did the first month of the year, but for it to fall apart this dramatically, this quickly. And yeah, he had that couple of games earlier in the week that you thought, okay, he might be getting it back again. This was reverting right back to the worst of how he has looked all over the place. I mean, big misses. That wild pitch, it basically went all the way to the backstop on the fly. It was that bad of a pitch. So it is a concern. I'm not sure what the answer is. I don't think there's anybody just waiting in the wings at AAA. I don't know if sending him down is going to accomplish much. But we've talked so much about somebody else needing to step up and show they can be relied upon in situations of consequence. You wanted to believe he could be one of those. I think he was among the biggest reasons that we thought there for a while this might actually be a good bullpen again. And instead, the fate of the bullpen as a whole has kind of mirrored his own fate as he has fallen apart here over the last month. Yeah, I think it's fair to ask why Davey didn't go to Harvey with an ad sub 4-3. But I think you can't talk about the bullpen without saying somebody other than Harvey has to be reliable to some degree, and nobody else has been. And even Harvey has had his problems lately, as we've talked about. But you know, this is not that far right now anyway from like 2017-2019 territory in terms of a Nationals bullpen that is rather rough. And, you know, like I said, this stuff can kind of sneak up on you because, you know, for a moment in time, you say, all right, things are looking pretty good with the bullpen. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks go by. And if you're not sort of looking at things from 30,000 feet, 
it can kind of sneak up on you on how bad the numbers are and kind of where we are. And, you know, right now it's tough. Beyond Harvey, I don't know who you trust. I don't know who you go to. And so, like, I never really killed Dusty Baker in 2017 for the bullpen because the bullpen was terrible that season until the Nats made those trades. Same thing with Davey in 2019. The bullpen was terrible that season until the Nats found a way to make things work. And right now, it just, to me, it's kind of silly to harp on how come Davey didn't go to this guy or that guy. They're all bad right now, save for Harvey, and even he's had his problems. Sure. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And that's why I said, who knows if you go to him in the seventh, how it's all going to play out because now... Harvey in the seventh, what, Edwards in the eighth, Finnegan in the ninth, maybe it works, but are all three going to be on at the same time and against this particular lineup? You know, odds are probably that would not have been the case. So yeah, it has been a frustrating thing to see happen. And I don't know that there is an obvious solution to this issue. If this is a team that's in contention, if this is 2017, 2019, we'd be talking right now about, okay, trade deadline, they got to go all in on the bullpen. That's not going to be the case this year. I can't imagine they would do anything along those lines. So where do you turn? I'm not sure I know the answer to that question other than putting a lot of these same guys out there and hoping that uh, at least a couple of them can get hot and put them in a position to win more games. Yeah, you would really have to hope for improvement from within, which could happen. I mean, it's not impossible, but it doesn't feel like it's, you know, around the corner right now. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, Unlike Mackenzie Gore and Capert Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nat Chat sponsor Mason Kalfis and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kalfis has recruiters in six states and has placed lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red hot antitrust, IP litigation, white collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The one-two swing and it's golfed in the air to right. Manessa's first chance and it's going to drop in front of him. He misread it, and Betts will scoot into second. Manessa's throw is too late. Well, Manessa's had a tough chance. His first opportunity in right field, he was frozen on a line drive right at him and it dropped basically at his feet. And so Freeman will extend his hitting streak to 19 with Manessa's struggling on his first chance in right field. So Jake Irvin was an at starting pitcher on Tuesday night. Another shaky game at best for him. Four runs in five innings. Uh, he gave up eight hits, a homer, a double, and six singles. He issued a walk. He had three strikeouts. He did throw a lot of strikes. Uh, 94 pitches, 61 strikes versus 33 balls. Bottom of the second, he gave up a leadoff homer by Jason Hayward to right center field on a 1-2 pitch for a one nothing Dodgers lead. And then Irvin in the bottom of the third allowed three runs on a ground rule double, three singles, and an RBI sack fly. One of the singles was by Freddie Freeman on a ball that landed right in front of the man who was the national starting right fielder on Tuesday night. Joey Manessis. He was playing at right field for the first time in this uh, regular season here. Davey Martinez for this game on Tuesday night. A new look outfield of Manessis in right. Lane Thomas in center for what was his first game of this regular season in center field. And Ildemoro Vargas in left field. It's almost like Davey listened to the last installment of this podcast. But uh, what'd you think about Irvin? And what'd you think about the uh, new look outfield for the Nats in this game? Did we just suggest 24 hours ago that they might try something like this? We did, very much so. I think we did, yeah. So maybe we do have a secret listener from uh, the manager who certainly has nothing better to do when he gets up in the morning than to listen to our 30 minutes on the previous night's game. Look, I think he clearly was going for some offense, understanding that that needed to take priority in this case. And so Alex Call gets the day off, Lane takes over in center, and I thought played a nice center field, even going back on some balls, made a great throw to get Freddie Freeman trying to stretch a hit into a double. Manessis was a one bad play, and it was a very bad play, but otherwise I thought was fine out there. So I got the idea behind doing it. I don't know if it made a huge difference or not for them offensively. Jake Irvin, though, look, there were some good things here. He finally issued his first walk in the fifth inning. That's been such a problem for him the last several starts. So he put a lot of emphasis on throwing more strikes this time. He was pleased with that. He threw 61 out of 94 pitches for strikes. So that's good. The problem is against a lineup like this, you put the ball over the plate. You're also taking your life into your own hands that they're going to hit it really hard. And that's what happened. There was a lot of loud contact in this game. Some of them turned into outs. A lot more did not. And so, you know, a tough assignment, I think, for him. To his credit, you know, at the end of the third, you're thinking this thing could really fall apart. He didn't. He got through the fourth and the fifth. He gave him a chance, at least. I don't think anything we saw tonight suggests that they should change the way they think about Jake Irvin. He should get some more looks here. But that's a tall task to ask him in this ballpark against this lineup to have a successful start. Yeah, I mean, you hope that it was a learning experience. But, you know, things aren't going well with Irvin right now. So the Nats called him up from AAA Rochester on May 3rd. He had that terrific outing 
at the San Francisco Giants. May 8th, a 5-1 win in just his second career Major League start. Urban in that game, six and a third scoreless innings, five strikeouts. Since that game, four starts, 16 and a third innings, 16 earned runs. It's been rough. Now, I'm with you. I think you want to see more. I think you keep them in the rotation, as we've talked about. You're not exactly uh, oozing with uh, options here. But you know, you would like to see things get a little bit better. You would like it to be so that he's not allowing essentially a run per inning. I mean, you know, we killed Chad Cool for that. And, you know, Cool's not a guy with upside the way Urban potentially is. I understand that. But still, like, there is sort of a level of competence that you'd like to see the guy reach. And I feel like Urban's kind of teetering right now. Like, it's not like he's atrocious, but it hasn't been good. And and it really hasn't been good uh, since that terrific outing, which was, uh, you know, weeks ago now. Right. And we're getting farther and farther away from that game in San Francisco. So that is a concern. The schedule is coming up. They're facing some more good teams. So that's not going to make anything easier. But I was looking back during this game at last year and saw that Joanna Doan got 12 starts before he was finally sent down. Different situation, different kind of pitcher, everything along those lines. But at least a little bit of a guideline as to how the Nationals handled a young, struggling starter Last year, Irvin's at six starts now. I think you'd probably give him at least a few more to see if he can show any more glimpses of something. The strike throwing was better. I do think that's important that there was a task that he was asked to try to improve upon from his last few starts, and he went out and did that. Now, the end result maybe wasn't what you want, but I think the process was better, and the hope would be if he keeps doing that and keeps throwing strikes, he could have a little bit more success We'll just have to see. So his next start would be, uh, what, I think against the Diamondbacks next week. I don't think he'll get the Phillies. So a good team, but not a great team. So maybe that's a chance at home for him to right the ship a little bit. Hey, guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Some amazing news from Window Nation. You can modernize and reinvest in your home today with new windows from Window Nation, all while capitalizing on Window Nation's best deal of the year. 0% financing for five years. Unheard of. Zero interest for five years. And Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat podcast. But act soon because this deal does expire at the end of the month. Protect and increase the value of your home today by taking advantage of this great offer. Again, 0% financing for five years and two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And by the way, that goes for any style of window from Window Nation. And there's no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and save money on energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. But don't forget, this deal does expire at the end of the month. The 2-1. It's golfed in the air to right center field. It's going to get down for a base hit. Thomas will cut it off. Freeman a wide turn. He's trying for second. The throw is right there on target. Abrams waits for Freeman to slide into the tag. He is out. And it was not close. Thomas' first game of the season in center field. Pegs Freeman trying to turn that into a double. Nationals offensively on Tuesday night. Just the three runs just six hits, did work three walks, uh, did have 
two extra base hits. Like we said, Cape Ruiz had a home run, so that was good to see. And Lane Thomas, another good game for him. Uh, man, how many different ways can we throw bouquets at Lane Thomas for this month of May that he's having? Lane, on Tuesday night, as mentioned, starting center fielder, again, was the Nats' number one batter, two for four with a double, a single, and a walk. So his on-base streak is up to 26 games. His hitting streak is up to 15 games. He also had an outfield assist on what was a bad decision by Freddie Freeman. Freeman was out by a mile at second base, but credit Lane Thomas for another outfield assist. And how about some of these plate appearances by Lane in this game? Top of the first, a seven-pitch walk, despite having been down to the count at 1.02. Thomas in the Nats, one-run third, a single to center field on an 0-2 pitch. And Thomas in the Nats, two-run seventh, a two-out first pitch double to left field. Boy, has he been effective swinging at first pitches and at bats this season. And Lane Thomas now in this month of May, a batting average of 316 and on base percentage of 366, a slugging percentage of 605. This is one of the better months that we have seen any Nats position player have since the Nats rebuild started. I mean, going back the last few years, I mean, I don't think that anything tops Kyle Schwarber June 2021 But Lane Thomas, May 2023, is up there in terms of really impressive months for Nats players these last few years. Yeah, he's sustaining this now for a nice long stretch, and that's what everybody's been waiting to see. Can he do that for more than just a week or two at a time? The out that he made was to the warning track in center field in the fifth inning. So, I mean, he was hitting the ball hard all night long. The team was hitting the ball hard all night long. I counted 13 batted balls of 100 miles an hour or greater for the Nationals in this game. Eight of those 13 ended up as outs. So there was some bad luck in this game for them. And maybe on a warmer day where the ball carries a little better here, they might have actually had some more success. But Lane Thomas, it's hard not to like what we're seeing here. We keep saying, well, can he sustain it? Can he sustain it? We're getting to a point that you start to say, okay, this kind of looks like who he might be. And that's such a nice thing and such a big thing for them. They've needed it. He's been very comfortable as a leadoff hitter. Like you said, he does put the first pitch in play a lot, but he's also not afraid to work the count. Seven pitch walk to start the game, not afraid to bat with two strikes. And we're seeing a guy develop here into maybe more than what we all thought he might be. It's a long way to go still. He hasn't solidified his place as one of the cornerstones moving forward, but he has certainly put himself in the conversation and made you say he needs to stay out there and keep doing this because there's a chance that he is actually part of the future here and not just a placeholder for one of the prospects. It is tricky with Lane Thomas because he's not like looked at as this obvious potential building block. He is a bit older in terms of a quote unquote, you know, younger player. This is his age 27 season. So by the time that ads are good again, you know, Lane Thomas will be late 20s, maybe even early 30s, depending on when the Nats get good again. But since the Nats got him in 2021, if you just look at the overall numbers, they're actually pretty good. I mean, Lane Thomas now, and this is coming into this game on Tuesday, 979 plate appearances with the Nats. It's a pretty good sample size. OPS plus 114. Like he's been an above average batter for the Nats over nearly a thousand plate appearances. That's not nothing. Like I think that's pretty telling. I don't know that you look at him and you say, okay, and this is age 27 season, how much better truly is he going to get? But you know, when I say to you, well, it may be that the Nats have nothing but a bunch of fourth outfielders, Lane Thomas might be the exception to that. And you know, with uh, this thing of, okay, you have these three stud outfielders in the minors on the come in Green and Hassel and Wood. If for some reason one doesn't work out or one gets hurt or whatever, 
it is nice to know that you might have something here in Lane Thomas. Like, it's not ridiculous to suggest that he could be a piece for the team when the team gets good again. No, 100%. And look, as much as we all want to believe that all three of those kids are going to live up to what they're supposed to be, baseball history and the odds suggest that at least one of them won't, and maybe even two of them won't be everything that they're supposed to be, whether because of injury or performance or whatever. So there's nothing wrong with being excited about them and trying to bring them along and waiting for the day when they debut here. But in the meantime, you've got a pretty good everyday right fielder, or in this case, center fielder, already on the team. He's affordable. He's in his first year of arbitration. So that means he's got a couple more seasons after this. I think he could do a lot worse than Lane Thomas has. Let's say when it's all said and done and they have some of these other guys in their lineup, let's say he's ultimately your number six or number seven batter and your you know third outfielder or whatever, and maybe not every day sits a little bit. I would happily take that. Plays a solid outfield, good base runner, We've seen above average hitter. There, to me, is a place for a guy like Lane Thomas on a winning team. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he's doing a good job, and uh, hopefully he does keep it up. It's been a rough go of it for the Nationals in this series at the Dodgers. Game three is on Wednesday afternoon at 410. Patrick Corbin, Noah Syndergaard will be the matchup here. And then there is the off day on Thursday. So You know, if you want to deploy Hunter Harvey and Kyle Finnegan and Carl Edwards Jr., you certainly can do that here on Wednesday with the off day on Thursday and then actually another off day coming up on Monday. You know, it's been a while since we've seen the Nats really get like worked in a series. They got swept at the Miami Marlins May 16th through the 18th, but that was not a series in which the Nats got worked. You had two one-run losses and a two-run loss. This series now, you've had a 6-1 loss and a 9-3 loss. So this is the first time in a while we've seen the Nats really be overmatched. But like we talked about, I mean, the Dodgers are the class of the National League. So if it ends up being that the Nats get smashed in this series, I don't know that there's great shame in that. It is, though, a reminder of kind of where we still are. And, you know, as we talked about, some of these recent wins have come against some of the lesser teams. So you're facing a real big boy here in the Dodgers. And at least over the first two games of this series, the big boy nature of the Dodgers uh, has been on display. Right. So if you ask me who are the best teams they face this year, off the top of my head, I'm probably going to say the Braves, the Rays, and the Dodgers. Well, how have they done against them? Not so good. One out of three against the Braves, swept by the Rays, and now they've lost the first two to the Dodgers. Again, no shame in that, but it is a reminder that for whatever progress they've made, and they have made progress, they are still not on a level to truly compete with the big boys. It would be really nice to salvage a win and avoid a sweep. You're facing Noah Syndergaard, who has not been good. There's a lot of angst here in Southern California about him and about the Dodgers pitching staff. Maybe there is a chance to score some runs off of him and hope that Patrick Corbin can be really what he's been for most of this season, which is a solid big league starting pitcher that gives them a chance. And so let's map out a formula here for how this could work. If you get six decent innings out of Patrick Corbin, three runs, four runs, something like that, you score some runs off Cindergard, and now you can go to that very well-rested A bullpen for the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth. Maybe that is a path to victory and they can leave town with one win. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, email Tim Schober, see what we can do for you. Again, that email address, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. We have a new website too, NatsChatPodcast.com. You can listen to previous installments of the show. You can also get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt at that site. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark. For the music of the Nats Chat podcast, visit timnewmark.com. 
For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Three and two the count. He comes set. The runner goes the pitch. Swag and a miss. He struck him out with a slider. And the side retired. Patrick Corbin around the hit batsman after one out of the inning. Strikeout of Bellinger and Freeze back-to-back to send this game to the ninth inning. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.